Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, we all know that life can be tough, okay? Uh, Even kids know that life can be tough, right? It's this universal reality that life can be difficult. And uh, there is this one teacher in New York who has this Twitter account, and every once in a while she'll post a tweet from a hilarious thing a kid said. And I just thought these kind of reminded me of of the things that show us that life is uh, a little difficult. And one of them said, why is it always 2020? Why is it always 2020? It might not be that year anymore, but it still feels like we're trapped inside the same circumstances, same predicaments as we were last year. Another kid said, I am so strong, just not in the mornings, it's Lily, four years old. In a similar vein, uh, this next one says, can you wake up on the wrong side of the week? I'm already tired tomorrow. That's Mel, that's 10 years old, already feeling the, the roughness of life. This is my favorite one, it says, I don't think these pants can handle my tummy today. That's Ryan, trying to keep that New Year's resolution going strong. It's difficult, right? And then sometimes in response to how, life, uh, how difficult life can get, we get a little hostile, like uh, Tegan, who says, I'm gonna take what you said and put it in the trash can in my brain. Five years old and sassy as, as ever. But then there's this little glimmer of light where we know it's gonna be okay because <laughs> this next one says, hey, if you need, you need to tell me if any trouble comes. I'm serious, like any ladybugs or bees, you call me. My phone is pretend, but I'll answer you. Sweet Lou, four years old, he's got your back, right? So kids get it, they get life can be tough. They get life can be hard. And then when we grow up, as we are now, we realize that this world is, is filled with all kinds of bad, right? You just open up uh, the news and you see countless headlines day after day of anger, of violence, of destruction, of racism, of injustice, right? This world isn't how it's meant to be. This is not how it's supposed to be. And we see a world that is, that is broken, all right? It's, we're living in this spiritual darkness. We're living in a world that's dominated by sin. And I think when we think about this, and we're like, how can, how can we really make a difference? How can really, we really be a part of the change to make this world go from, from bad to good? How can we step into that void and be someone that makes an impact for goodness? But there arise two complications with that. First one is how can I really make a difference on a global level? How can I as one person really make a difference, right? I'm just one person, what can I really do? And even if I tried, what would happen? And the second complication 
is that we're all dealing with our own stuff, right? We got our own problems we're dealing with week in, week out. We have stresses, we have worries, we have fears, we have distractions, and we keep rushing from one thing to the next, and the world never stops spinning. And if you were to lose hope in all this, I don't think anyone would blame you. But we know the truth that our God does not let it stand there, right? He is working and he's active and he's using people like you and me to really make a difference in this world. And we get to be a part of that difference. And it's amazing. But too often we fail to realize the power of God in our lives and we don't see how God is actively working and moving in our lives, in our daily circumstances and in the lives of other people. Well, this morning we're starting a new series called He Is and we're talking about different names and titles for Jesus Christ that show us who he was, who he is, and his character, right? These are things he said about himself. These are titles he gave himself and in each one of them, we see the importance of who Jesus was and is and what he came to do. But before we get to Jesus this morning, we have to talk about the problem that Jesus came to deal with. And the problem is this, that we live in a dark world, right? We live in a dark world. And when we talk about darkness in a biblical sense, what we're referring to is an existence that is apart from God. It is a blindness to God because of our sin. Because of sin, we are in darkness and we cannot see God or come to know God or be with God. And throughout scripture, darkness is closely associated with sin and sin's consequence which is death, right? That's the bad news. And the Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians. He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, all right? And that word dead that he uses can also, is the same exact word for the word corpse, Right? It's this horrifying image of death. And in scripture, in the Bible, we see three kinds of death because really death is a separation and there's three kinds of separation that we see in scripture. All right, We see uh, the one that you're familiar with, physical death. Right? That is just the separation of the soul from the body. That's what physical death is. Spiritual death is the separation of the individual from God. And this is the one that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians. And the logical consequence is the third kind of death, eternal death, which is a permanent separation from God. And if we're trapped in our sin, if we're trapped in our darkness, if we're trapped in this spiritual death, then that is what we're doomed to experience for all of eternity, that eternal death. It's bad, right? This is heavy. And Paul says here in Ephesians that this is the way of the world. 
Right? This is everybody's problem. This is the way of the world. We're all following the same path in darkness. We're following the same path in death, and we're trapped inside of it. This is bad news. This is the problem that mankind faces. This is the problem that we all have. Though we were made by God for a relationship with God, though we were specifically designed for communion with our creator, we cannot experience his goodness and his love and his grace because of where we went wrong, because of our sin, because we rebelled against God and we turned our backs against him. And so we are blind, we are dead, and we're in darkness. And without hope, because we're unable to bring ourselves out of that darkness. Kind of reminds me of this horrible, tragic situation that happened in 2010 in the country of Chile in South America where a group of miners were going about doing their job, they were going to work like normal, and the mine that they were working in suddenly collapsed, and they were trapped underground, they were trapped in the darkness of the earth. And for 70 days they stayed there trapped, because they were unable to rescue themselves, they were unable to dig up There's too much weight, there's too much darkness. They couldn't do it, they didn't have the means, they didn't have the tools. Thankfully, rescue came from above and they were rescued and they were okay. But I think of this state of being trapped kind of like our situation. Right? That it is impossible for us to save ourselves. It is impossible within our own means to work our way out of sin. We can't dig up out of this and into the light. We need the rescue that is from above and enter into the scene, the Son of God, who doesn't leave us there in our sins. He doesn't leave us there in the darkness. Jesus Christ is sent by his Father on a mission to save the world, and he says to us in John eight twelve, he says, then Jesus, this is John speaking, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, isn't that incredible? The solution to the problem that we live in a dark world is that Jesus comes as the light of the world. And when we read that, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the purpose of light? Just in general, the light that we know, the lights that are on me right now, the lights in your house, what is the purpose? It's simple, it's to expel the darkness. Because wherever the light is, wherever the light shines, there cannot be darkness. The light overcomes it. And even from a biological perspective, without light, there would be no life. All right, without light, there'd be no life. Without the sun orbiting, uh, without the earth orbiting the sun, rather, uh, every day, without the sun's energy, without the sun's power, without the sun's influence, we'd have no life. Plants need the sun. We need the sun. We need that light. Why? Because life 
needs light. And in a spiritual sense, light and life are also closely related throughout the Bible. So when the scripture talks about God's light, it's usually referencing God illuminating the pathway to life. Okay, it's usually referencing God's pathway. He's illuminating illuminating that pathway to life. So when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, he means that he is the only source of the spiritual light that leads to spiritual life. That he has come to save us from the darkness. And only through him can we see God and come to know God and receive the eternal life that God gives. Now the context of Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, is super important, okay? When Jesus says this, he's in the temple and the nation of Israel is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, right? It's this throwback to the time when God rescued the nation of Israel from uh, Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. They were trapped there for centuries and God brings them out of slavery, brings them out of Egypt, but the nation doesn't know where they're going. They don't know where the promised land is. And so God in his goodness and his grace leads the entire nation as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And I think that's pretty cool. And Honestly, way better than Apple Maps, right? Uh, but it says, uh, or this scholar says this about the Feast of Tabernacles. He says, a major feature of the Feast of Tabernacles was the lighting of giant lamps in the women's court in the temple. The light illuminated the temple area and the people gathered to sing praises and dance. The light reminded the Jewish people of how God was with them in their wanderings in the wilderness in a pillar of cloud which turned to fire at night, which is found in Numbers 9. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, picture behind him these gigantic 75 feet candles which are burning flames, right? Obvious for anyone in Jerusalem, obvious to anyone in the temple. And he's standing up there and saying, I am the light of the world. And so what is he doing? Well, he's associating himself with the same God that delivered these people from slavery in Egypt. And he's saying, hey, just like the Father, God delivered you from slavery in Egypt. He said, follow me as this pillar of fire. In the same way, Jesus is saying, follow me out of slavery to sin. Follow me out of this darkness. He's saying, I am the light and I'll show you the way to life. And this isn't the only time God associates himself with light, okay? This is super common throughout the scripture. In fact, the Israelites were taught to constantly say that the Lord is my light and my salvation in Psalm 27 and Psalm 119, which is the longest Psalm in the Old Testament. It is like forever long. It is all about the word of God lighting the path for us. And even in the creation of the world, the first command that God gives in the midst of the darkness and the chaos is let there be light. 
Light is closely associated with who God is and what God does. All right? And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, once again, Jesus is associating himself with the same God who's been the light for these people for centuries and centuries and centuries. And now he's here to bring them out of their darkness. And John shows us this early on in his gospel when he says, in him, a life was found in him, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right there in the beginning of John. So what is John saying? He's saying that Jesus is the light of men. It's the light that shines, and the darkness in this light cannot be defeated. Jesus' victory is sure. Sure as when light shines in the darkness and expels it, Jesus has come, and his light shines into our darkness, and his salvation saves us from that sin. And it is this permanent, undefeatable gift of God that he gives us for free by going to the cross and dying for our sin. He leads us out of that darkness and gives us life. And it's amazing what he has done for you. It's amazing what he has done for me. And he continues to do it day after day. Well, about four years ago, Savannah and I, uh, we were not married yet. We were just dating, and it was getting pretty serious. And as, uh, as all, when all relationships get serious, uh, I started to go shopping for a really fancy rock uh, that you put in really fancy metal. We call them engagement rings. And uh, I, was, I was going to go look at some diamonds. And every time you go look at something like a diamond, the jeweler will take this little rock out and he'll show it to you against a backdrop of black, okay? And the reason he does that is because against the darkness, this diamond shines brighter. And as the light catches it, you see the fullness of its radiance, you see the fullness of its beauty, you see all of its facets, you see all of its colors, and it's beautiful, okay? And in the same way, I think, when we think of Jesus, he's come into this dark world, and against this backdrop of darkness, against this backdrop of sin, against this backdrop of despair, he comes as the light of the world, and his light is brilliant. His light is beautiful, and it's attractive. And he doesn't just proclaim he's the light of the world, he lives it out. And the light of the world goes to the cross for our sins to bring us out of this darkness. And it's a wonderful, beautiful message that we've heard and that we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. So what does this mean for us? Well, it gives us hope. Right? It gives us hope that we are saved from those sins, that we are saved from death, that we are saved from the darkness. But also we are given new purpose. Right? We have a relationship with God and it doesn't stop there. God gives us a purpose in this world. He invites us into his own mission. 
And in Matthew 5, he says this, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so what is he saying? He's saying, well now, as believers, we are also called to be lights in this world, just as our Savior. And what's interesting about this is this is the only title that Jesus gives himself that's also true for believers, all right? What is true about Jesus is also true about us as God invites us into his mission to save this world, to make a difference and to shine in the darkness. And so my takeaway today is that we live as reflections of his light in this dark world. All right, so in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking about the influence of believers, just as they go and live their lives, right? And he says, he encourages us not to hide our faith, not to shrink back from those spiritual conversations, not to hold back and hide whenever someone asks us what we believe, but to live in a way that showcases our faith to everyone around us. And I think that, honestly, the greatest evidence of God's power is seen in his people, right? I don't know about you, but when I read scripture and I read the Old Testament, I see him parting the Red Sea. I see him holding the sun still. I see him defeating armies by himself. I see him using 300 men to take on a nation. I see all of this power, and I want to see the same thing happening today. And I say, God, where is this power? Why aren't you moving in the same way? Why aren't you doing these crazy miracles that we see throughout scripture? And then I, I realized later on, I was like, we see God's power in more magnificent ways every day, right? Because we see him changing lives. We see him bringing people from death to life. We see him bringing people out of darkness and into life, into his marvelous light. And so what's the greatest evidence of God's power? It's seen in transformed lives. It's seen in you and me. And if you think about lights, right, they're always put in the place in the room that's gonna, that where they're gonna have the greatest effect. Where they're gonna have the highest uh, uh, effect in this room. And so they're usually put up high so that they light up the whole room. And I think in the same way, God has strategically placed his lights, you and me, in the right place, in the right time, in the right moments to have the maximum effects. He has organized his believers, his people, his, his, his church to be this influence in the world. And you and I are exactly where we need to be to make an impact on this world. So then, we have this responsibility to live in a way that actually reflects his light. We need to live in a way that displays the character of our great God and the life-changing power of the gospel message. And I, I want you to think about it like this, okay? Jesus is the light of the world. He shines into the darkness, and without him, we would only know darkness. 
But we are more like this mirror. This mirror cannot create light. It doesn't have light within it. And if it was dark, it would only be dark, right? It would be shrouded in darkness. But when the light shines into it, it reflects the light within it, right? It reflects the image of this light. And as believers, when we draw near to the light of the world, we also reflect that same light into the world. We don't reflect our own image, right? We're not seeking for our own glory. We're not seeking for wealth or fame or success. We are seeking to reflect the character of our God because when they see the light of the world, they get something so much better than just some cool person. They get to see the life-changing power of God working in the darkness and saving people from death. So we're like these mirrors, and by itself, one is great, but when there are thousands, when there are millions of us truly reflecting the image of Christ, then we light up the world together. And it's this amazing, amazing thing when it comes to be true. And we get to be a part of God's mission and we are given purpose and meaning and make this incredible impact for his kingdom, right? And so as reflections of Christ, once again, we don't aim for our own glory, right? We're not trying to reflect our, our own image. We're not trying to build ourselves up, right? Because we have something far greater to talk about. We have something far greater to lift up. But I think the question we need to ask ourselves is what am I reflecting in my life? Right, what am I reflecting? Am I trying to reflect this image of myself that I'm some awesome person, that I got it all together, that I got it figured out, right, that I'm successful, that I'm wealthy, that I am talented, that I'm skilled? Or am I trying to reflect the culture that I'm a part of? Right, I'm just soaking everything up. I'm, trying to, uh, I'm just following this, this pathway that our culture says, this is the way to life. This is the way to have fun. This is the way to happiness. This is what you need to enjoy life. Am I just trying to reflect that image? Or am I reflecting the image of our God whose truth changes lives? And what's interesting is the choice is yours. Right? God does not force us to be any kind of way. And I know for me, when my life is over and I'm with Christ, I wanna be able to look back and see all of these lives that I got to shine light into. These lives that I was a part of, of changing, that God used me to influence for his light. So how do we live as lights of the world? Well, four things and we'll be done. First, we need to build a stronger connection to the light of the world. And it's as simple as just understanding God through the way he's revealed himself, through his scripture. Right? We, don't, we don't read the Bible because we have this obligation. Right? We read scripture because we want to understand who God is and more of what he's doing and, and what he has done for us. And we commune with God, we talk to God through prayer. Right? This is how we process life with God. This is how we let him know what we're thinking, what we're feeling, the problems that we have. And when we do both of these, our connection grows stronger. And the second one is that we just are observant of others' needs. 
And I think this happens best when we realize that we have everything that we need in God, that every need is satisfied when we are connected to our Savior, that we can't, uh, we are not in want of anything else, right? God has our back and we have everything we need. So then we are able to turn and meet the needs of other people, right? We're able to say, hey, I got everything I need. What do you need though? Where is the darkness in your life? Where can I bring the light? And so think about the people in your life. Where, where are people hurting? Where are people suffering? Where can you go to impact the world? And then you need to reach out in love, all right? Spreading the light by meeting the needs of others in the moments. And so what this is probably gonna look like is initiating conversations with friends, with family, with, with coworkers, with neighbors, right? It's about building up relationships because only in the context of a relationship are you gonna be able to know the needs of that person and be able to serve them. Only when you know someone can you truly be able to love them like the way Jesus loves us. It involves a relationship. And then finally, we walk as children of the light. Well, what does this mean? Well, it means that we live in a way that reflects the character of God, right? We model his goodness. His goodness should be evident in us. His grace should be evident in the way we live. His love should be evident in the way that we love other people. So that when other people come to us and say, hey, why are you like this? Like, why are you so nice all the time? Why are you, why are you doing stuff for me all the time? We can say back to them, you know, I used to, I'm, I'm not a good person. I used to be, I used to be broken. I used to be this, this awful sinner that just couldn't get his life together. But God stepped into my life and he made this broken dead man alive. He brought me from the darkness into the light. And I just want to live for him. I just want people to know him. And I live like this, not because I want you to think I'm some great person, but because I want you to know our great God. And that's what it's all about, right? So as we close today, I want you guys to think about the access you have to people in your life, right? Your friends, your family, your job, your neighbors, everyone you come into contact with, these are people that you have access. Not everyone does, right? But you do. God has put you in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And when we shine together, it makes this incredible difference for the kingdom of God. So shine forth into the darkness. I'll pray for us. Father God, we're so thankful that you've given us this message, your gospel message, that Jesus came, that he died, and then resurrected on behalf of us. Though that we were sinners, you loved us, you cared for us, and you saved us. And we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.